This episode of the 3D Insights podcast is sponsored by Semi Europe. Semi Europe is the European arm of Semi, the global industry association representing the electronics manufacturing and design supply chain, connecting more than 3,000 members and 1.3 million professionals worldwide. Learn more at semi.org/eu. Hi there. I'm Francoise Von Trapp, and this is the 3D Insights Podcast. Hi, everyone. In this episode, I handed over the mic to IMEX Katrine Morent, who hosted IMEX ITF Towards Net Zero Forum at Semicon Europa, and Jan Hinnerk Moore of Boston Consulting Group, who moderated the panel discussion on collaborative strategies and practical solutions towards a more sustainable semiconductor's future. Good afternoon. So welcome to ITF Towards Net Zero. My name is Katrin Marent, and I will be the host throughout this event. So we are looking forward to connecting with you today. Before we dive into the program, let me take this opportunity to thank SEMI for their longstanding collaboration and for hosting this event here at SEMICON Europa. Thank you. So today we will explore the pressing need for sustainable practices in the semiconductor industry. Together with industry professionals, we will share insights and strategies on making the semiconductor business more environmental friendly. We will shed a light on innovative approaches, best practices, and cutting-edge technologies that can drive sustainability throughout the entire semiconductor value chain. Let's now uh, start with a panel on collaborative strategies and practical solutions to a more sustainable semiconductor future. So let us welcome representatives from multiple industry fields on stage. So so Jean-Marc Girard, Chief Technology Officer and Senior Vice President of Manufacturing Technologies at Air Liquide Advanced Materials. Emily Gallagher, Principal Member of Technical Staff at IMIC. Bill Lussier, Senior Vice President, Regional Sales and Deputy General Manager at Tokyo Electron Europe, and Benjamin Sokolowski, Managing Director and VP Government Affairs, EMEA at Qualcomm. To moderate the panel, we've invited Jan Hinnerk, Moore, Managing Director and Partner at Boston's Consulting Consulting Group. We also would like to hear your voice in the panel discussion by participating in the polls. So get ready by taking your smartphone and go to slido.com with code ITF, hashtag ITF towards net zero 2023, or just scan the QR code. So I give the word now to Jan Henner. Thank you very much and uh, good afternoon. And we're going to do a little bit of a shift of gears here. As you can tell, it's going to be an interactive panel discussion. And um, I'm very excited to uh, be here with you guys. We're going to have an interesting discussion. And I think if we witness today's discussion and um, presentations, I think it has become quite clear that um, we are, you know, as society, in terms of sustainability, we need to up our game to go go to the 1.5 degree path. And um, I think for our industry, it's it's quite interesting because we are we're an interesting spot in the sense that on the one hand, we are one of the few industries that are enabling decarbonization. Think of uh, e-mobility. But on the other hand, we are also Due to our growth, obviously, um, you know, emit more and more. And then the question is, 
you know, with more sustainable fabs, is that enough or do we need to do more? Um, and with that as a context, we would actually uh, start in asking you guys, um, basically one question, what do you think are the biggest challenges for the semi-industry to become more sustainable? And um, as Katrin said, we have a slider here, so please just go there and um, we are very interested to hear what you think. Okay, so the first answers coming in, materials. I see a good chunk of people are typing. Governance, low-carbon energy, time. Oh, yeah, for sure. Cost, price, that's interesting. Water, yeah. The supply chain is mentioned, yes. Funding, competition, gases, profit, yeah. So there's some economic aspect to it. Seems like we have some favorites here, which is good. All right. No, that's, that's very interesting. So I think we see quite a diverse set of challenges, you know, from, from basically economics to, to the very thing we are doing. Um, maybe, you know, in light of all those challenges, um, asking my panelists, do you guys think we as an industry, we are doing enough? Is there, uh, should, we, should we do more? Um, what do you think? Maybe, um, I don't know, Bill. So... Um... The numbers don't lie what was presented today, right? So we don't seem to be on track. And one of the challenges we face is, uh, is on the podium there, is the industry is uh, expecting to double itself, the chip industry, to about $1 trillion by the early 2030s. And, uh, you know, no matter how you slice the numbers, that's to manufacture those chips is going to use a lot of resources. So uh, I think it's really essential, and IMEX showed some excellent um, initiatives earlier, Emily showed. It's essential um, that the decisions the industry takes on the processes and the integration schemes that it will use to make those next-generation devices, it's very essential that those decisions are taken uh, uh, carefully, the right choices in with sustainability in mind. What I can say is I'm optimistic. I've seen a lot of uh, appetite in the market. My customers have, are focused. They've moved on now to the next level of projects they want to do. So I'm personally optimistic that we will gain some momentum here, and, uh, and, but, but we should not underestimate the challenges. Some big challenges ahead. And I think the panel counted, your survey there counted the word time. And I think time remains one of our big challenges. For sure. Jean-Marc, what do you think? Um, I, I agree with the time aspect. Uh, it's kind of scary. Uh, the first presentation <laughs> today was a, was a good uh, wake-up call, if there's a need for a wake-up call. Um, the, uh, I was surprised not to see energy more in there and energy dec decarbonation. Um, as, as one of the key challenge, um, for several reasons. First of all, it's the biggest carbon contributor today to the industry. Second, because the time, um, horizon of changing something in the energy sector is longer than changing an etching gas, although it's still a pain to change an etching gas. <laughs> um, so, so we're working on very long time scale when it comes to en energy infrastructure. Um, which is um, yeah, which is the challenge considering the, the five years we have. Um, on other sectors, I think water solutions exist. They're expensive, but they exist. Uh, process technology solution exist. 
Um, so to some extent, if I have to bring a personal concern, I think the industry will definitely do a good job with the new capacity. It's easier to do good when you do new. Uh, but we have to cut the emissions from the install base. Yes. We have to change new old processes that are working and changing something that works. It's just not in the culture of this industry, right? Not at all, huh? <laughs> that's, uh, but, but that's a very good point. And um, I think we as industry need to do more. Um, but, you know, the industry is comprised of companies, right? And then the question is, um, do we have all companies on board already? And that's actually one of the questions we wanted to ask you guys in the audience, um, just to see, um, you know, uh, what do you think where your company stands? And, uh, you know, I promise it's going to be anonymous, so don't worry. Um, we're not going to track the answers, but it, it is good, um, you know, to get some data so then we know, um, you know, what we need to do. Okay, so we see it's a top priority for approximately 40%. Seems to be stable, which is good, right? I mean, 40%, that's something. And, you know, if you take the second answer, well, you know, we are two-thirds, I guess, more than two-thirds, so that's good. That looks very promising. Now, the question is a little bit, what does it take to get all the others that are not fully on board yet uh, to to making it a top priority. And maybe um, that, that's a question also to my panelists. What do you think? How can we make sustainability a top priority in the supply chain? Ben, what do you think? Yeah, I'd, I'd like to share some of the optimism that was uh, expressed here. Um, as I mentioned in my, my little speech for Qualcomm, when we design a chipset, its energy performance and energy efficiency directly equals its competitiveness, right? Because in the smartphone business, in other applications, the energy performance and the energy efficiency of the chip is ultimately relevant for its positioning in the market. Yeah. But beyond that, I think, um, and that's a learning um, for me as well, energy efficiency, sustainability needs to come at a price for businesses, because only then it can be calculated and become a parameter in the business case. Right? Otherwise, it will always, when, when, when times are tough, is uh, threatened to become a nice-to-have, which obviously no one wants. But therefore, and also to ensure a level playing field in global competition, um, the, the regulatory framework is also very, very important to... Um, to, to make sustainability a top priority for each company. Yeah, and I, I like the point you're making about making it part of the cost or the price, right? I mean, then it becomes part of the optimization problem that, you know, business people face. And then, it, you know, it becomes a kind of a regular routine. But then my question would be, if you think about, um, like, who in this industry would do the job? Is it then something that you'd say, okay, let's leave it to the foundries? Is it something we say, okay, equipment, um, material suppliers? Is it something, I think, where you were going and, you know, we need to do it in a chip design? Um, that's, for me, a little bit the, you know, who would do the job? And maybe I just poll all of you for uh, a two-sentence answer um, just to say, see what you think. Well, if I start, I would say, you know, there are three scopes, so it's all of us. <laughs> anyway... Um, what I feel is important is 
it's obviously all of us, but we shouldn't necessarily wait till everyone's, you know, collaborating and whatever. At our own site, our own facility, we can do something without having to wait for someone else to tell us to do it, right? That's, that's the first thing. The, the other thing, maybe the second sentence would be, um, if we want that engagement throughout the supply chain, um, we have to leverage. We are all buyers in a way or another, right? And, and we vote we are with our credit card. Well, same thing. If you want to do good, you can do good in procurement as well and using your procurement power as a way to change things. Yeah, I would add to that. Um, so I think it's the entire supply chain for sure. Um, but I do think there's sort of an economic piece that comes into that and also a net zero one. So if you've made very strong net zero commitments and we've seen some wonderful examples today, you're not going to make them without your supply chain also meeting their net zero commitments. So I think it's the full chain. Yes. yes. Yeah, it's uh, collaboration um, essential. Uh, Chris said it when he presented on Edwards. If you don't collaborate, you don't succeed. And also, um, you know, getting in the mindset. And I really like um, IMEX concept of PPAC and E, right? The PPAC plus E. I really like of getting in the mindset that everything you do is uh, you take sustainability into account. Once you do that, you'll get momentum. And that'll be the key. Thanks for listening. We'll be right back. When it comes to influencer marketing, there's a podcast that covers it all that you will want to add to your playlist. The Influence Factor by the Influencer Marketing Factory. They talk about influencer marketing, social media, the creator economy, social commerce, and much, much more. They cover all aspects, including the creator economy, social commerce, the latest trends, the metaverse, TikTok trends, and that's just the beginning. The Influence Factor by the Influencer Marketing Factory. Add the podcast to your playlist right now. Yeah, so um, maybe one additional aspect in, in this discussion. I think as our industry is projected to grow significantly since the demand in our product is and will increase significantly over years, um, we are a little bit facing the dilemma that on the one hand, while we or would we only improve the efficiency um, incrementally, that will simply not be enough, right? So we will be um, then a victim of our own success because at the same time, the demand and the overall footprint of our industry is increasing much faster than we actually can improve through um, incremental steps. So we yes. really need to have disruptive innovation um, um, with a strong focus on this problem because otherwise we will not, uh, we will not succeed. Yes, And I, I like what you all said about um, collaboration. And I mean, collaboration is never wrong, right? I mean, that's, um, that's hardly ever wrong. But I think what we mean here is deep collaboration along the value chain to do exactly what you said, um, not, innovate, not only innovate incrementally, but fundamentally. And I think that leads us also to, to the next question, which is, you know, what is, what is the role of innovation, actually? Jean-Marc, what, what do you think about it? Yeah, I would merge um, somehow innovation and collaboration. So, in other words, when we say we have to innovate, it's not only, you know, better abatement system. Sorry, where are you? It's also better abatement. Um, so, it's not only technical innovation. 
Um, and I want to point out the example of the IMEC SSDS program that, that we joined, because it's a place, it's an innovation in collaboration. It's a place where people can go where it's neutral from an IP standpoint, from a competitive standpoint, and it's enabling things that are extremely difficult to do, you know, otherwise um, in, in other setting, or I would have to duplicate joint development with every customer. It's just not efficient. So here it's also a, somehow a business model innovation or an innovation model uh, that is changing. So, um, you know, that's the kind of thing of innovation we're also looking for. Yes, and I think what you're describing is a bit of a new form of collaboration. You have new parties that need to work together and you also need to share information, right? And I mean, as we all know, data without context is, is kind of pointless, right? So you need to understand what the data means, which brings us a little bit to the question of standardization, right? Do we need to have standardization? Do we need to, is there enough already? Do we need more? And also, do we need to report um, more transparently as an industry? I think that's... Um, That's one of the questions that, that comes immediately to mind. And I don't know, um, maybe Ben, if, if you have a perspective on this. Yeah, I think standardization in um, how we report on the efforts of the industry, that is good. Yeah, that will uh, allow to compare um, uh, the efforts and the actions being made. At the same time, also a bit cautious in calling for more transparency and more rules. More, yes. more rules on transparency, not calling for um, more transparency. Obviously, transparency is needed. What I want to say is a lot of regulation has been put in place already in this regard, somehow sort of fragmented when we compare Europe, when we compare North America, when we compare within North America rules being set up in different states like California. I think the key message is we should focus not only on how we report our efforts, but on the efforts, meaning we need to get the job done um, and Standardization in the reporting is important, but it should not make us shy away from the real focus of where the job needs to lie. Right. And there's also a lot of, to your point, right, there's a lot of stuff going on, right? And so, Jean-Marc, you, you also had, I think, a perspective on, on the ongoing efforts in the EU, right? Right. So, um, so we know, I mean, all of you who are involved in environmental reporting, you know these things that are coming, the CSRD, uh, the ISSB in the US and things like that. So it's, uh, let's face it, it's heavy, it's complicated. Um, it's not yet uh, very sector specific, but it is going to become more and more sector specific as the, um, you know, as the, the, the reporting requirements are going to evolve. Um, probably feels like a pain the first year, um, just like financial reporting felt like a pain when it became, you know, mandatory. Um, but, but it's going to be an important tool. And I think it's also uh, our job in the industry, if we want to go into better granularity, you know, more specific reporting on certain products and things like that, I think that's, that's us to choose to do it. We shouldn't wait for the regulation to tell us to do it. Yeah, for, that's for sure. Emily, what, what do you think? Um, yeah, it's hard not to agree with that, but I, I think reporting is important. It certainly doesn't get in the way of actually doing the work, so I completely agree to that. But I think the value of having good data and what we've tried to create with IMEC.net Zero is you need information in order to prioritize where you work first. So I think that information is kind of essential. Um, and in addition, today we're not yet reporting on everything that matters. So we've, we, we're really good on emissions. We're pretty good on water. Um, We're not doing scarcity really much, a little bit, and toxicity doesn't come up. PFAS, for existence, 
example right. isn't mentioned now. So there's work to do, but I think it's valuable. There's work to do, and also it's important to make sure that the reporting is fair, right? So that, you know, the more ambitious company is not put at as a disadvantage because of their higher ambition. And I think we now spoke about collaboration. We spoke about innovation. Um, we spoke about standardization. But we also wanted to make it a bit practical. So um, what I'd be interested in is to understand um, if, you know, asking you guys, what is the one thing you think is most important in terms of what the industry should be focusing on? And now we, you know, we have a set of, of topics and, you know, the poll will, will come up. Um, you know, what, what do you think is, is the, the first thing, um, just so we get a bit actionable? So, okay, scope three. Scope one and two, scope three. Interesting, okay. So, scope three is still leading. Okay, that's a little bit of a race. Tough race. <laughs> yes, and probably it's also a question of their own starting point, I guess, right? I mean, one and two is something more or less every company can do on their own, plus minus. Scope three is really then something where you need to work with others. And I guess... Um, That's also harder, therefore. And, you know, now since the poll is over, I just declare scope three is the, is the winner. So that's the most important thing. Um, maybe asking the, the question to you guys. Um, also, what do you think is, you know, what, what is the most important thing? Is it scope three? Well, at least it doesn't surprise me that this has been voted in first place simply because on the one hand, it's the hardest part to, be, to address and to be solved but it's also the one having the biggest impact. So I think, therefore, it's a legitimate answer to say we need to, to, to do that. And in, in fact, actually, we need to do everything at the same time, right? Um, while working on scope one and two, not leaving scope three out for the sheer impact it has. And the timing, I guess, where, you know, what people said in the beginning. Any other views? Emily? Yeah, just one thing. So... Um, my scope three is someone else's scope one and two. So I think we're kind of addressing all of them. <laughs> yes, yes, for sure. But you have to go up, right? Up to the ore uh, or, you know, when you, if you think about metal. So that's quite, you know, quite a distance. But sure. All right. Okay. Um, what I also liked when we had our uh, little verdal in the beginning, um, you guys mentioned the economics quite a bit. Huh? You know, price, competition, cost. Uh, profit, those type of things. Maybe, you know, we can all agree on this is an important topic, but to make it really, um, you know, real, we also need to talk probably about the most sensitive question, which is who will pay for this, right? Obvious question, but important question, I guess. Um, and so maybe also, I just want to, you know, as a, as a final question, just uh, go through the panel and ask each of you, Who will, who will invest and how do you think companies can attract investment for sustainability and how can you make it part of, of the equation? Want to go first? Um, so who will pay for it um, down the road? It's always the consumer, right? That's, that's the, we're business. So, uh, so eventually, yeah, the consumer will, will pay for that uh, through, you know, potential increase of price. Although... The, the, the point, I think, when we're looking at, at cost of environmentally friendly solution, um, you know, you hear, oh, it's more expensive, or other people really willing to show you it's less expensive. In, in practice, it's mostly a time-dependent equation, right? And it may be temporarily more expensive, but 
long term uh, cheaper. And, and it's that time equation that really needs to be managed. And, you know, I was, I was telling again, we do policy by buying. We influence companies we source from. And that's something where, you know, again, a good partnership with the supplier is important to understand how this cost equation, more expensive now but cheaper later, how can you dial this, for instance, into a supply contract doing this kind of thing. So that's the, I think that's the right way of looking at it. And it's the time management of that cost. I think as far as... Um I see manufacturing is concerned that power performance area and cost is important. So we added the environment, but the cost existed already. And often, not always, but often cost and environmental concerns go together in terms of fabrication choices. That's one piece. It doesn't apply everywhere. And for where it doesn't apply, I must admit, this is a personal opinion, but I think legislation might be helpful. You know, you're just not allowed to make them another way. Yeah, that's it. I think smart legislation will be key there. Okay. Right. I mean, as I said, Qualcomm will always invest into the sustainability of its product because it determines critically its competitiveness. But I want to take on the, um, the point of legislation because I think really the point with legislation as it is needed because it will create the market. It is important um, and at the same time a very ambitious goal um, to work towards regulation which is harmonized globally because we are and the uh, industries using our products are even more globally to make this a competitive advantage but not a disadvantage uh, an equal regulatory playing field is, is, is a wishful thinking. Yes, for sure. Yeah. But just to, to wrap up, thank you very much. You know, I, I've learned a lot because, I mean, we spoke about time being the critical factor uh, in many dimensions we spoke about collaboration is key, and I'm, I'm very glad that, you know, you're all coming from different parts of the industry. You all, you know, said collaboration is very important. It's important to tackle scope three. And, um, you know, I think the discussion also showed that this is not naive, right? Um, in the sense that, you know, there will be, sometimes we have a free lunch, to your point, right? Um, it's just, you know, cheaper and better for the environment, but sometimes it is not. But then I'll also hear from you guys Yes, but it's something so important we need to tackle. And, uh, you know, that, that's the way forward. So I think that's, that's a very nice takeaway from, from this discussion. Huh? So thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. So thank you all for this uh, nice discussion. So ladies and gentlemen, with this we have come to the end of ITF Towards Net Zero. So I hope you have been inspired by our speakers and that this ITF gives a boost also to collaboration towards a greener IC industry. So I would like to thank all our speakers, you, the audience, and also Sammy for their support. Oh, yeah, make some publicity for an upcoming ITF, a really important one, ITF World, which will be organized uh, in Antwerp uh, in May next year. IMEX celebrates its 40th anniversary. We will have a big ITF World for two days uh, on all the different topics of semiconductor uh, innovation. Thank you, and I hope to see you there. Next week, we continue our coverage of Semicon Europa with panel discussions focused on workforce development in the semiconductor industry. There's lots more to come, so tune in next time to the 3D Insights Podcast. The 3D Insights Podcast is a production of 3D Insights, LLC.